Hello, I'm Rebecca Horan and a very warm welcome to A Little Birdie Told Me, a podcast brought to you by Rollercoaster.ie. In this season, I will sit down and chat to 16 pretty interesting people to discuss pregnancy, parenting and everything in between. On this week's episode, I sit down with Cara O'Loughlin from Living Intuitively with Cara. Cara is a life coach, an eating disorder recovery coach and a yoga teacher. We discuss eating disorders and Cara's own experience, so please seek help if you're affected by any of the content in this podcast. So I say this about all my guests. I love this guest. They've made an impression on my life. They're so wonderful, blah, blah, blah. And I've said it so many times now, it seems like I'm just saying it, but I really mean it about every guest and I really mean it about this guest today. So I really want to welcome Cara O'Loughlin, but Cara is living intuitively on Instagram. That's how you can find her. And is such an interesting woman. I met Cara through the deep need to get out and move my body after my second baby and was encouraged by a friend, a mutual friend, to go to this wonderful retreat, which I found myself in with some wonderful women. Um, I did the retreat. Met Cara, had the best experience ever, started to go on about it on my Instagram and then discovered that she was just so much more even than this retreat, that she had three children, that she was like retraining to do this, had been a teacher you have so many things to you so welcome to the podcast thank you so much Rebecca for having me I could have gone on for the intro but then I think people want to hear from you not me I talk a lot yeah no, no I talk a lot but it was it, it was such a kind of it was a really empowering moment when I went to your retreat because I really needed to get out of the house and I was full on in breastfeed mode and I remember going up to Greystones to do the yoga. I think it was a bit of yin. And then we did, you, she makes these insane snacks. I'll talk to you about the retreat at the end. We must promote this. And then there's a lunch and a hike. And I just had the most amazing experience. And I think it's because of you, not necessarily all the elements. I think it's mm-hmm. just who you are. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about what you do. And okay. then we can talk about your mama journey. Thank you. Well, it's funny you say about the retreats, like I never labelled them as women's only retreats, but they've um, seemed to just take off that way. And it's not just with women with babies, but I would say the majority are mothers, you know, and I think it's that um, piece that you said, it's really difficult to leave the home, especially if you're feeding or it's that guilt. And we've spoken about that, um, you know, by text is that I think as all mums, we always have guilt, whether we have our kids in childcare, whether we don't, whether we take a half an hour to go to a sauna and a coffee with a friend or if we're stuck at home and, you know, we're breastfeeding. So there'll always be that guilt. But I'll always say to people and on the retreats, you will be a better mum if you take time for yourself. And I've noticed that like we have three children under the age of eight. And I was I mean, when I left college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. What I really wasn't sure. So I did um, Bess in Trinity mm-hmm. and I went to do property because my dad is a developer. Oh my goodness, Bess or property? Okay, to, go to, on. To yeah. yoga teaching, yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. mad. But I think it's that I never followed my dreams. Mm-hmm. I was following what I thought my dad wanted me to mm-hmm. do. Um, not that he put that pressure yeah. on, but it was just, okay, I don't know what to do. So I'll just do what everybody else mm-hmm. around me does. So I went to study uh, property and I worked in Savills. Wow. And um, I did a master's in construction. Oh my <laughs> God, what's about, happening? What was I doing? What is happening? So anyway, about six months into it, I was like, I cannot read a map. What am I doing here? You know, I mean, I just had this. What was it that you would develop? What was the, what was the course that you... The, do you know what it was? I went to yoga class uh, on my lunch break yeah. um, on Moser Street mm-hmm. and it was just the freedom that the teacher had. And it made me think I want a life that 
enables me to have more freedom within my working day. You know, you wanted to be free. I wanted to be free. You were in the shackles of yeah. following the course that would that would probably give you um, a great pay package, security, yeah. um, similar to what your dad did. You knew it would have longevity. It would span this, this, and we all do it. Um, and you went to one. It's very funny that you're saying all of this. And you went to one thing, and there was this moment. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And it, it, but you're, you've really hit the nail on the head. I needed the security. Yeah, we all do. But I needed the freedom. So then, and I think this is the problem with this new world of, and it's it's wonderful that we have women, uh, you know, are working and out in the world. Like nobody wants to be um, tied to anything. I spoke about this for International Women's Day, but we're still tied to everything. Um, yeah. So this feminism um, and this kind of empowered women and the bla- breaking of the glass ceilings, in a way, some of it has really um, destroyed us because we mm-hmm. don't feel that we can actually do something that's a bit more <clears throat> I don't know real to us yeah and I don't yeah. think any of us feel free mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. and I think it's <clears throat> as well as a mother <clears throat> you want to do it all but you can't do it all you can't do it all properly or no. do it all <clears throat> well I did my yoga training 15 years ago and um at that time like yoga wasn't a big thing as in I've, i went back to say to my dad i'm gonna go and do yoga training and he was you know okay are you a doctor are you a lawyer are you yes, a teacher in my head. you know mm-hmm. so but he was so supportive and he just wanted me to find freedom i guess and and follow my dreams so um, I had a wonderful English teacher. It's so t- terrible that we follow a path, then we follow another, that we've been led down. And I know it's all out of the goodness of people's hearts. Mm-hmm. And I know all of this sound advice that we get, but sometimes the noise is a lot. Yes. And I think I lost my mum when I was 15. So she was my main security, my main control, or my main area. When I lost her, I thought, OK, I have no control now. So... I needed security, you know, so for that, I followed a road or a path that I thought I should. Again, that was giving me the security rather than listening to myself. I had no idea what my own was voice was. Was she a was. mother within the home? It's like, you know, was she? She was. I mean, we had five. I have four siblings. So there's five of us. And my brother was the eldest and he was born with a lot of disabilities. OK, so she had it really tough, you know, and she um when we were growing up, she developed lupus. And at that stage, there was no transplant unit mm. in the country. I remember her lobbying the president, the health ministers, everything. And the year after she passed, it came in. But I think that that definitely made me not listen to myself. And now I've come more to the living in But also the loss of a mother. It's such a, you know, the matriarch, the, the yeah. like you've just said, she had all of these vulnerabilities and difficulties thrown at her. And she's her advocating for herself and her son and all of, mm-hmm. and yet she is the your world because yeah. often the moms are the Absolutely. world, and you know I never knew this about you. And then you lose her at a really pivotal point in your life, you know, mm-hmm. teen years, that midpoint where you're heading into, you know, God knows what, and you lose that, like you say, grounding security, my mum. And so of course you're going to pick either the crazy road or the road that is super secure and safe. You're going to pick one or that's just mm-hmm. you know textbook. Yeah, and you you follow your dad's line you follow the line that perhaps other people have and so that's really sad do you feel that you ever dealt with it or was it the fact that there's five kids and we're gonna get on with it no I didn't because the day she passed away I picked up my first eating disorder behavior like literally the night of her funeral and that went on for 22 years so 22 years yeah okay yeah this is a lot. This yeah. is why you are so special. Yeah, thank you. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's incredible. So mm-hmm. you, so as a trauma, as a kind of a control, that day 
when all of this is happening and you're this this vulnerable teenager, you decide to start this pattern because that's what will keep things mm-hmm. in check. And that's it's so funny, sad, Carl. Back in that day, I mean, it was literally unheard of. There was one other girl in a 900 student school yeah. who we know, knew of was doing the same thing. So I was in boarding school. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was quite easy to hide mm-hmm. and to hide behind. Um, I went back to school after mum passed two weeks later to do my junior cert, Mm -hmm. which I knew she'd want me to do it. She was a teacher, but it was probably the control you're talking about, you know, and the brush it under the carpet and we'll move on. So my way of dealing with it was the disordered eating. If she had been alive, do you think you would have ever, do you think it was something that was perhaps like part of your nature Mm -hmm. to control do you think it would have been maybe happened at some point or do you think absolutely not it was because of her passing gosh that's a good question I know but I often think we say I was triggered because of this abuse or I was triggered because someone passed away I was triggered and I wonder actually would that maybe have come out some later on in life as a way of control or absolutely not no you're you're 100% right the trigger was Mm -hmm. the trauma Mm -hmm. but we see now in my recovery and now working in it mm-hmm. is that there can be personality traits mm-hmm. and they would be type A, high achiever, perfectionistic, um, you know, wants everything done a certain way, really tough with pos- even positive criticism. And that was me. Okay. So I think that let's say if somebody said a comment maybe about my body a few years mm-hmm. after, that could have triggered it. A boyfriend, you know, breaking up with you, that could have triggered it. Any rejection mm-hmm. or lack of control. Yeah. Okay. Would it have lasted quite so long? I don't know. Like at that time I was, you know, it was when people were going, women were going through or girls were going through the stage of menstruation and I didn't get anything, not till I was 29 because of it. So, oh, wow. yeah. Yeah, so there was... I did not know the podcast would take this route. I was so interested to talk about you seem the most incredibly inspirational mum because I feel like I definitely struggle when it comes to two little ones and being there for them and being present. But to go back to something that has obviously affected every choice that you've made up until now and the path you've taken, which Mm -hmm. is an incredible path, I think, Mm -hmm. um, is, is really amazing. I'm... I'm so I'm so glad you're sharing this, but yeah. I'm so sad that you went through that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a story that a lot of women, um, we all know somebody or have someone close to us or have suffered like this. And it's usually, um, like you say, disordered or controlled eating um, and mm-hmm. it manifests in mm-hmm. various ways. Um, how did it manifest for you and how did you hide it for so long? Well, I mean, the reason that I'm speaking about this as well is one to give other people's hope, hope other people hope and also it's made me the mum that I am today um I see it in my seven-year-old she's nearly eight and I see her with the exact same personality traits and I feel like sometimes with friends who they would take her on a play date she's a great personality she's a big personality but I think that there's a bit of a mask that she's an introvert extrovert Mm -hmm. but doesn't accept the introvert part Mm -hmm. That would have been me. And, um, you know, I need to be careful of her, mm-hmm. you know, and need to watch her and explain to others that, yes, she might be sensitive. Uh, she might take a comment on that somebody would say more than somebody else. But <laughs> so it is. We always br- see yeah, ourselves and our girls. We do, mm-hmm. 100%. But so it manifested for me. It began as anorexia and restriction. And that lasted for as long as it could last. And I had to leave school during sixth year. Um, I wasn't kicked out, but I was asked it was it was suggested that it would be better for me to be at home. 
or in a centre. Um, so I went home and I was it was just my dad because my mum had passed and my brother was there. So but I did work very hard, like I locked myself in my room studying, I'd say about five, six hours of the day. So that lasted for a while, a long time. And then, you know, it's it's a one side of the same coin, really. Then it slip, flipped to bulimia through exercise. Um, for me, it was exercise. And that's probably been my hardest to give up. And then I was teaching yoga mm-hmm. for so long. Of course, which is another slight form. Yeah, <coughs> exactly. But um, <coughs> so I w- did go through a lot of different recovery centers. I went to Canada. I wow. went to the Rutland. So I was you were really there. sick. Yeah. Yeah. This wasn't kind of a thing that could be dealt with. It wasn't this kind of short lived, you know, she's going through hell. We'll get her counselling. This was we were on un- really unwell. Yeah. yeah. But my dad was unbelievably supportive. My sisters were I was yeah. hard on them because it looked like somebody looking for attention. But I just think I was so lost. <laughs> I know, it's terrible. That was like, it. You know, but they just have something to eat. I know. What's wrong with them? You know, and they're yeah. so thin. They look great. Oh, yeah. That's my that's. Yeah. Well, it's I never got that. Isn't but it? I got more from my dad. You look really well. And I would automatically think he's saying I've gained weight. Absolutely. I mean, Abs- oh, no, no, no. Nothing is yeah. right because you tell somebody and I, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong and that they've they're looking really well, then there's a healthy thing. Oh, well, now I have to go back. Or you look too thin and there's a yeah. kind of slight win. I yes. mean, I know that sounds very strange, yeah. but there's a slight win. Um, but that's hard for a man who's lost his wife. And men, I think, see see things like this differently. Yeah. And he's dealing with his, his most beloved daughter and she's coming home from school because they can't control it. There. They can't deal yeah. with it. Yeah. Very tough on him or was he just wonderful? Or I don't know how my dad would have, you know, yeah. it's hard. No, it was really tough A different tough time as well. Yeah, you know? it was really tough on him, but I never remember him getting frustrated by it, honestly. Like no. I went to New Zealand with him. This was fast forward a few years and I was going out with a guy and we went to Australia. And my dad came over to visit me in um, New Zealand. And I remember ringing the B&Bs to see what they'd serve for breakfast. But he never got frustrated. He just, just kind loved of... You. Yeah. So like I was told for 10 years I wouldn't have children, you know, so then I met my husband at 29 and I had no cycle back. I mean, I literally got it at 15 and then I got it once and then it went. Did you not find it hard to have relationships with men, you know, physically and just emotionally when this was going on? Or was it just part of the process you just dated people like you've obviously fallen in love with the man that you ended up marrying? Yeah, but it's very hard to keep that, that secret going to have physical relationship with people when you're so yeah. unwell. Yeah. They or do you all remember knew. that? They you see, all they knew. did knew because the worst, like the weight part, if you're talking about the body, was probably the worst when I was teenage. Mm-hmm. And then it was quite easy to mask it, although lots of people think that an eating disorder is looking at somebody's physical mm. weight. Actually, the sickest people are the people that are walking by mm. so that you might not know. It's just internalized. It's just the mm. bloods, you know, mm. or it's the bloods would show up what... Um, how sick a person is. But no, like I did have plenty of relationships with all of the past. I had the college days, the the drinks. So you lived a relatively absolutely. normal life. Oh, totally. Wow. But I just use other things like the exercise or the... the Fine, because you couldn't just do that because yeah. people would really be shocked yeah. by that. Yeah. Wow. God, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I met my husband at 29 and I went on HRT. It was suggested that if I wanted to have a baby, I had to. She actually, I remember going to a lady who was a specialist and she said, you just need to eat a Mars bar. If you just put on a little bit more, 
you, because everything else was normal. Yeah, you your know? egg count and your... Yeah, okay. yeah, but I just needed to get a cycle. That was it. So they said, and I'd be very, uh, I wanted everything natural. That kind, It's called mm. orthorexia, mm-hmm. where you want everything perfect and the healthy food. And nothing and contributing to helping. You want to do yeah, this on your own. Yeah, and this was uh, the part of my eating disorder that took so long to get through because I'm in the wellness industry with yoga. And then orthorexia is quite connected to that, okay. that everything is, you know, healthy, clean. pure food, clean. Exactly. Routine. This word rituals, that we hear, clean, yeah, perfect, yeah. everything. Which yeah. is, it's just really, if it was said 20 years ago, it would probably just be another diet. So that's really hard <laughs> to get over. Or some vegetables. Yes, exactly. Mm. So anyway, that was, um, I went on the HRT, but I only needed to go on it for about two months and my cycle came back and then I got pregnant. So you meet this man. Mm-hmm. What's the name of your husband? Shane. This wonderful man, Shane. Yeah. He just obviously is mad about you because you have so many things to be mad about. Well, he was you. seeing somebody else at oh, the time. Sounds a bit like he, my. Then he heard I was a yoga instructor and he's like, deadly. That sounds exciting. <laughs> She's probably in Bali most yeah. of the year. But he's obviously mad about you. I quite love the challenge that he took on knowing, uh, knowing I presume, mm-hmm. that he knew you were probably a little bit yeah. sick. Yeah. Maybe physically he even might have known that you were, but he just adored you, I presume, and he wanted to make this work. Yeah. How did you find him? What was the game changing thing about Shane that? Well, I think at that stage I had come through, I was in recovery. It was with a place called the Merino Therapy Centre, which are wonderful, which are really amazing Mm. in Dublin. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was going there every week. So I was working so much on that kind of separate to him. Okay. So then our lives were about the fun and the hike we were both so were, as you know I'm so into the outdoors yeah and, very you know, healing yeah the second day our first date was a coffee on Dunleary Pier and I remember I was wearing a belly top he said and he was like oh yeah I like the belly top so that was it <laughs> I think that was what sold him and then the second date we went up Jouse and I fell okay. on the boardwalk and I literally had half my leg hanging off there was oh, blood wow, everywhere geez. the little um Oh, it's the little boarduck, the crevice little things got stuck in the leg. But he stayed. He literally saw the fascia, which is the fat of my leg being nice. sewn back together. So he stayed. He was into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had just moved back from Australia. And I think um, he had come out of a five year relationship as well. So, yeah, we were just, just peas we knew pods. what we wanted. Yeah. 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 Was it hard for you through university? Like you've said, relationships um, your friends to not have a period, which seems like something. And I know so many women who have cancers young and they don't have a period ever again because they're women. Like it, there's different ways that people don't. But the kind of normal thing is that you might have a period throughout your youth or your twenty. Was it, did you, were you embarrassed? Were you, did you hide that? Did you care? Was it talked about? Because it Do seems you know, like such a massive loss of yeah. something for you for so long. I think because I didn't have one. I didn't know what I was wow. missing. And then friends would... You know, you're quite naive then. Friends were like, you're so lucky. Mine is so heavy, you know, this kind of thing. So um, and then I was so in the like, I mean, my life was the gym, the runs Mm. that I mean, it could have been three, four hours. But you didn't get triggered. You wouldn't go to a pharmacy. I remember when we were trying for a second baby and having all the losses. Pregnancy tests would be very triggering for me. Um, I just couldn't cope because I'd become very obsessed with buying them. Anyway, yeah. you didn't find seeing tampons or sanitary. You weren't triggered by anything at all. You were really living your own world here. I was living in my own head. Fine. So you did totally didn't. right. Fine. I wasn't in my body whatsoever. I think that's why it's taken so long to actually listen to my body and live in my body. You know, it's in my head. That's where an eating disorder lives, you know, to protect you. 
mm-hmm. from everything else you go up into your head. How are you now? So really well. So this is you met him really at well. 29. Met him at 29, 30, 40. Not, I'm not 30. I'd love to be 30 still. Yeah. I'm 41 okay, now. So that's, you know, over 10 years ago. Yeah. And you said that that was a time you really wanted to get your period back in. How have you recovered in the last few years? So this is the area that I really want to concentrate on you on with you because as a mum I had done so much recovery before being a mother Mm -hmm. and I recovered in a body you Mm -hmm. know before being a mother Mm -hmm. so changes and I never realized how much it changes and I remember in the merino that one of the girls had said you know that your body's going to change and I was like what, is she, what does she mean? Yeah. You know, um, and you're going through pregnancies and menopause mm-hmm. and age. So uh, with our wedding, it was amazing. And I loved every minute of it. Okay. And we actually got pregnant a year later. And wow. my husband was absolutely shocked. Okay. I handed him that pregnancy test in a cafe and he nearly vomited. He was like, the first thing he said, and remember that he didn't think we would be able to have kids this yes. easy. Yeah. He said to me, um, Oh God! I thought we'd have another year <laughs> to have cracks, like, have some some cracks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the shock. They always get shocked. Yeah. Uh, but so the pregnancy was brilliant, and I was just so I loved the tummy. I loved wow. all of that part. But when baby came, our first was a do- my our daughter. I lost about a stone and a half. I was very thin after the first pregnancy, breastfeeding. And I really struggled with all the comments. Controlled oh. eating or bre- like was it, it from literally being just sick? fell out. I, d- I, I have no idea. I Maybe think a metabol- Yeah, I think yeah. my body just wasn't used to feeding so much and she was taking so much out and of And you me. hadn't probably as much as others over the years. Got, you know, she was taking so much from so me. So much from me. Like it actually looked like I was back in my wow. disordered days. So what what I struggled with was the comments of, oh, my God, and the and the fear from people. You look so thin. Mm. I, I got high from those and I thought, oh, hang on a second. Mm-hmm. Here it comes Here back again. Go. Now, yeah. do you know when somebody has postnatal anxiety or postnatal depression? You know, it kind of felt like that in a way is that I didn't know what I was doing. It was my firstborn. Everything again came back with I have to do this perfectly. I have to listen to the dreaded bloody books. I have to live mm-hmm. by the rules. Mm-hmm. So that manifested back within an eating disorder. Wow. So I remember going back to counselling and I had my hands up. I know she was a wonderful therapist and she actually had gone through a, a disorder, an eating disorder all her life herself. And she did say to me, this is really common because you're overwhelmed. And that was simply it. The, uh, an eating disorder has nothing to do with food, nothing to do with exercise, nothing really to do with behaviour. That's so important that we mm-hmm. hear that. So an yeah. eating disorder is nothing. Glennon Doyle, whose podcast is We Can Do Hard Things, has always spoken about how she suffers the odd time. She's kind of, not throwaway, but she'll often say, with bulimia, when things are tough. With And she's had to come on to her podcast recently. I think she's probably in her late 40s and say, I have anorexia. I wow. did not know I had anorexia. I, I don't see myself as an anorexic I'm quite cross about this I've always just said that I control you know people would say you're very little well I just control what I eat and I do a lot of exercise I'm addicted to exercise and sometimes when things are really hard I've taken to being bulimic but I don't see myself as and she was like I'm anorexic yeah because she's and I've been anorexic all my life since Mm -hmm. I was 15 and wow I am actually and to be told that by this wonderful expert that she went to she said was so 
traumatic. Yeah. She was cross. She rejected it. She yeah. took weeks to kind of get her head around of it. She said that's not the case. But she said when the bloods were done, when this session had started, when she got the help, they said this is absolutely. And she yeah. says now I feel like that's all I am. I'm an anor. And she said now I have to. She did the most beautiful podcast on it. So it's so vital when I listened to that. I was like, gosh. So when you're saying this is not. Mm-hmm. about the physical appearance of no. someone this is a mental illness yeah. and it's so important that people know that yeah well it, you know we would call it when I was recovering through Merino it was called eating distress so it's what you know it's or emotional distress mm-hmm. really is what is in somebody's environment that is distressing them you know so what emotion is going for me it was always the overwhelm mm-hmm. there was a brilliant one called um, Halt So are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely or are you tired? And what are you eating on? What are you restricting on? What are you exercising? It's like the emotional eating that other people suffer from. Yeah. Yeah. And my therapist always said, oh, at the end for you. So halt. Oh, so you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired or overwhelmed. For me, it was I think with the babies, it was the overwhelm. Oh, my God, I'm responsible for this child. Mm -hmm. You're up sleep deprivation. So a lot of people coming to me and even a lot of my friends are really struggling with emotional overeating. And that's (laughs) what mine flipped to them was the the binging. Mm -hmm. And the binging is the most shameful, I feel, you know, because no one wants to talk about it, that they sat down and had whatever. The kids are in bed. Yeah. And then feel like absolute crap the next day. Generally, yes, it can be from the emotions, hugely from the emotions. Stress is a major contributor. But the second one is that people are restricting during the day. And if you're trying to be clean, mm-hmm. that's in that I'm doing that in inverted commas. She is. Yes. If you're being clean or healthy or whatever during the day, generally you're going to do it at night when because you're soothing your emotions, you know. It's all still things have calmed. The calorie count is huge because you're going for the always the white or the beige or the yeah. grey. You're going for the bread and the pasta or the chocolate. And you just it's just that kind of like, oh, thank God I deserve it. Yeah. And then, like you said, you don't sleep properly because of what you've eaten. You don't sleep anyway because there's a baby or a child. And then you wake up and you feel almost like you've a hangover. Oh, the guilt. Or kind of depressed. And how am I going to get this off? And also we know, we know that food nourishes us. I always know that when I eat well, I'm not talking about clean, I'm talking about well. Like last night I had beans and spinach and hummus and tahini on cucumber and I had sourdough and it was this gorgeous fulfilling meal instead of going for like the quick fix yeah I felt so much nicer yeah. when I was sitting down to do my mm-hmm. work and it was it's not about shame it's about mm-hmm. actually nourishing ourselves yeah. yeah so you head into this the first child your husband is aware you're you're not well again or not do you know, I hid it really well. I remember sitting in. So she was a toughie. She's yeah. amazing, but she was calm. I think the first R, I think yeah. often just they are. And yeah, yeah she screamed her head off. And my husband oh had to God. drive her up the Dublin mountains for two hours at a time in the middle of the night or the Wicklow mountains. So I do. I just remember the overeating episodes. Right. And what happened to me is that I'd lost so much weight and then it started to come to normalize back to my normal size. And mm-hmm. that's where I struggled. So um, but, you know, I went back to regular therapy. I spoke up and I worked on myself as much as I could at that stage. Mm-hmm. But then I had a stroke. So, yes. And think, think well, you are a teacher. little mind of I didn't know no, any I of didn't these know things. Anything. But this was it was actually from exercise. It's really rare. It's called a cartilage embolism. My um, neurologist at the time, he'd only seen three. He said if I was three fingerprints down, I would have been paralyzed. So I was very lucky. But it was literally from a Pilates move. 
and the questions do you know I went through months of we couldn't find what had happened I was downstairs on Stephen's day looking back I was probably quite stressed my sister was over from Cayman they were all staying uh, um, with us um, the questions my neurologist had asked were you drinking enough water had you eaten were you stressed these things that we don't think about I literally did a forward bend which is touching your hands off the floor and I felt a tingling in the middle of my spine so tiny and I got up after to make porridge and the, the, the pot dropped and um, I lost all power in one arm. And the, ne- the pain in my neck was, I cannot describe the intensity. Thankfully, Shane was upstairs with our daughter, Darcy. And um, yeah, it was six months diagnosed. I was in agony. I could barely move from the bed. They told me I'd never practice yoga again. Um, finally, after six months of MRIs, they found a lesion in the back of my neck and they saw the stroke was there. So again, it's 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 quite a rare one. It happens a lot in animals. Anyway, um, I went through a lot of physio and it was mainly for the grief. Is this going to happen again? But um, they reassured me. They said it was an absolute freak accident. Any lifelong damage to any yeah. parts of your body? So or? if you see my left hand, mm-hmm. I can't. I That joint is gone. Wow. So in yoga, I do have to be. I can't do certain things I could have done before, like headstands, handstands. Wow. Just won't do it with the neck. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. So you have been through it. Would you agree? Do you know... You have been I, I through do, it. But then I think sometimes I think so hasn't everybody. But it's how. But it's a lonely. You've been yeah. through it. You've you have this wonderful fa- family dynamic, I presume. Your mum passes away. You're in boarding school. You hide of serious illness. Yeah. You go through, you know, kind of your 20s and adulthood, you know, still sick and with relationships and just powering through. But yeah. so, all this sadness. Yeah. And then meet your husband and then you have a child and that's really hard, your first child. There's a lot there. Yeah. You have been yeah. through it. Yeah. You know? I think that I've had such amazing friends. I'd say to anybody, it's all about your friendships, your family, Shane. You know, we hit then had we got pregnant like seven weeks after I had the stroke. And I remember the neurologist going, how did you even do it? <laughs> you <laughs> know, how did you have sex? <laughs> yeah. And I said, I wanted to have a second. You though, did. And I really wanted to have a second when Darcy was. What age was she? She was two and a half in the end when we had Abby. And she was kind of sleeping better. Were things improving with her? She was brilliant. Okay. Yeah, she was great. And she had just started. We we sent her into she was in crash, I think mm-hmm. where your little ones go actually. Yeah. And then I was teaching in a school half days. Mm-hmm. So um when Abby came along, she was Two able girls. to Yeah. When Abby came along, she was able to go into Montessori then at that mm-hmm. stage for a few okay. hours. Yeah. So I felt like I had a second first baby and that I had the time with mm-hmm. Abby. You know. So you're here teaching part time in this big school in Ireland you're yeah. training you also have all these other wonderful you know skills which talk about in a like this great things that you're working on you're coming through your sickness again yeah you have a second child yeah I have just had a second child not just um, 18 months ago I personally found the change from one to two earth shatteringly hard I think the, the first is I personally this is a personal experience was very exciting yeah we were overjoyed in love grateful yeah. fun I was a lot younger and it was just a ball of energy and crack and plans yeah and a lot of Instagram romantic moments with the three of us yes family of three yeah. <laughs> and then the second was an absolute um nightmare 
to um, have because we just went through hell for two years. And so when she came, there was just so much like, be grateful, be grateful. Um, You're so lucky. Mm -hmm. You're so lucky. And so I feel very much about Simone that she is very special and all of those things but I also find it really hard mm-hmm. and I don't think you're allowed to say that because you're also meant to be grateful because you know so many people who are trying to have their first or who mm-hmm. are going through horrendous you know I didn't have to have any fertility treatments for instance but I really found the juxtaposition of going from one child with her needs and demands to two and I so that's I often talk about this on Instagram I don't know whether you've noticed this kind of throwaway sure then I had three and then I want to have four and I might have five and you should have another the throwaway comments Mm. about Mm. having a human and I find that really tricky because I personally think being a mum is the most important job that I Mm -hmm. have and so I don't take it lightly and so yeah I find the change hard did you find the change or not? No, I found the change. Are you just very natural to, about it? Because no, I just honestly, find honestly, I think two to uh, one to two has been the hardest, hundred mm. percent. Because you know your husband is able to be there a lot for your first child. You're like a team, whereas when two come along, the team is not fifty fifty anymore. It's more 70, 30, 80, 20 maybe. I don't want to say any more because that's really mean. You know, to my <laughs> husband. But no, he's brilliant. But I do find that you are doing everything and there is only one of you. So you feel like you're pulled as well by your your role. You have a big job. You're pulled in so many different directions. And then you lose yourself, you know. So definitely two to one, I felt I completely lost myself. I mean, I didn't start all this business up again until after I'd had my third. Okay, I didn't realise that. So when Abby came along... I'm like, you're such a no, success. No, when I went back to, with Abby, I went back to the school and like the school was a wonderful school, but I hated for me working. It. I was going through that driver, which was a big commute for me. Big commute. Yeah. For five years going, what am I still doing here? So seriously, you were going go three away. days or how often? Five, five? five days a week. And it was five days a week. it was I left at 645 in the morning and I got home at half one. But you'll know this if you're working hard. part time, but you're in every day. That's the same. Yeah. You're you're still coming home from working to being a mum straight away. And there's actually no in between. No, there's no, but there's no I don't. I also don't marry the whole I work part time, it's easier three days or I do five days like because I do I do a five day full time job. I actually seriously think the responsibilities because if you if you take a three or four day nowadays in this world, you're probably still doing the fifth day in some form at night, maybe Mm -hmm. or in the morning or you're still doing something. And also when you're a mom of two kids, there isn't a break. Like I get Mm -hmm. 35 minutes every evening to go to a class or to at at like, yeah, at half eight or nine, you know. And when everyone's asleep and then I come home and go to bed and hope to God I get to sleep till 1am and then she... W- so if we look at that reality for many women and some work shift work or nights or their mm-hmm. nurses are cleaner and the, the actual realities of that, there's very little time left. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. So it is exhausting. Yeah. I can't believe you did that for five years. But then I think people on the three day, if you have your child... Were you doing it for financial? Like were you like, I have to? Or did you just feel like you can't give up this job? I think a major thing for me and for somebody who would have that personality type and many women actually is that kind of martyr people pleaser part I have to keep my job I just didn't want to let the people down Wow, you know, so it wasn't that you necessarily felt desperate to keep the job? No, or worried about not money wise. No, I mean, yeah, there was a, the little bit of security, yeah. but then, like when Finn came along, our third little fireball of a boy. Like How many years is there between three? Three years between Abby and Finn, so about two and nine months. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, we, my husband did not want a third. 
you know, he really did. And he struggled when... It's, we, it's when like an we, age old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> struggled when he found out we were pregnant. But then I think the fact that we found out on him and we knew it was a boy really helped. It was I a mean, difference, he, yeah. And he's mad about Finn. Oh my goodness, like he's just mad about him. But he has been like... He's a whirlwind. I mean, or a hurricane. I Compared mean, to the girls? Yeah, okay. like he jumps off. I mean, we have, you know, a breakfast <laughs> bar and it's stone and he jumps off that onto the floor since he's been about eight months so old. So girls wreck your head, boys wreck your house. It's completely true. Oh, and his tantrums are something else. I mean, head banging the floor yeah. and then wondering why he's in pain. Yeah, you and know? then like, mm, all's good. Yeah, <laughs> and then comes up and gives you this cuddle. I mean, they really are the snugglers. His hands are around my neck going to sleep. Loves his mom. But having said that, I felt I need some identity outside of being a mom. And I hadn't got that in the school because it wasn't my yeah. own thing. Yeah. I came through this eating disorder. It didn't come back after Finn. Wow, it didn't. Well, it, to the point it did, but not as strong as on the other girls. Had I you dig, softened I, with it? Do you think things yeah. have just changed in yeah. your life? Your Maybe my age. Is, yeah. And I actually have been to see, been going to see a life coach who I went through recovery with and who I was working with for a while and then mine came back and I've been seeing her for three years and since I've been seeing her that's it like you know so something has clicked yeah maybe you've worked through maybe now that you're a mum you're fulfilling you know a bit of what your mum did and you're maybe emulating because she sounds like she was obviously very special yes yeah and maybe you're kind of more at peace with things but when you were in that midst of teens and 20s you probably didn't have a place yeah. or didn't feel like you had a place I don't know do you know what's funny is that uh, as you know I've started a life coaching course in October and I finish it in at the end of May and we have to read these books on the course so they're all self-development and personal development and they have been amazing in thinking. And one of them I was listening to on Audible last night, it's called Maximum Achievement. It's phenomenal. And he's talking about the number one step for personal success is peace of mind. And when he said it, and now I'm here, I'm, I have peace of mind. And I never had peace of mind. Is that confidence in your abilities or actually peace in what no, you I do? I think it's both. I think I have an identity now the yoga is flying it the retreats are flying it um i'm working now within the disordered eating realm mm-hmm. and that has been my You're dream helping all others my life. Mm-hmm. and that's it i like i've re- i did a vision board last night because i did one about 20 years ago. no 10 years ago and they're powerful you write you get magazine clippings words yeah. put them all down on this on an a3 big sheet of cardboard pictures of other people doing talks or whatever that you want and then you look at it for a few nights maybe even once in the morning once at night and then you leave it and let the universe handle the details that's crazy I've never so heard about like this it's okay. called the law of attraction okay so my husband sometimes they say oh I'm worried about finance and this way I'm like but then you're inviting it in so you are abundant you know that's so interesting so, yes so I love to worry because I think it really solves things no, it, doesn't it doesn't solve the opposite anything so it's bringing my husband worry. doesn't worry about stuff I worry and I take all the worries and he's like cool how's that going for you yeah how's that going yeah. are you feeling yeah. good I'm like yeah I'm worried about everything I'm yeah. worried about childcare I'm worried about the school I'm really worried about money I'm worried about work and he's like cool that's just a lot <laughs> you know and then I let it go because I listen to music or podcast music is really good for me and I go off and do exercise but it's so short lived because I think I've always just lived off worry mm-hmm. it's just been my um, driving force yeah it's great and if you switch it <laughs> to great. I am abundant yes or, or I am living the life that I want to live so These interesting kind of, it, it does come true I see it with people that I'm working with you know do you feel like there's a 
little bit of in this wellness, which is, I think Irish people particularly need it because I think we've just so much long lived trauma mm. and we are very self-deprecating as a nation. We don't look after us. I think there's been a lot in Irish people's um, souls. I just think we're not very good at minding ourselves, right? Yes. And the martyrdom that you talk about and the matriarchs and just what women have suffered. And so now there's this great new um, pouring of these wellness and health. And it's good, okay? Mm -hmm. It's really vital. And I have definitely um, leaned in. Do you worry a lot about the kind of things? And, you know, I'm putting this out there because I don't know enough about it that we say, you know, manifest or dream up or vision. And actually for the everyday woman who's just stuck in hell or in a mm-hmm. shitty relationship or just not coping with postpartum depression or maybe has a child with additional needs that they're just stuck, none of this helps mm-hmm. because they're like, I can't manifest my way out of the everyday. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to people who question a lot of it as kind of, you know, woo-woo or they're like, like yeah. because you have been through Mm-hmm. so much so you are someone that we can kind of okay can relate to her and mm-hmm. um, what would you say to people who are kind of find it a bit scary but I think to think is what is the alternative Love like it. for those 10 years that I was stuck in that mindset well 20 really if I look over was it helping me get out of it 100% not so once I started working really with a coach who so a coach doesn't bring yes you go into the past you delve into it okay because you have to if it's unlo- unlocking you know if you want to unlock your future but really we're looking at what is going on now what thoughts are you having that's making you feel the way that you are and then it's making you behave the way that you do you know and until you kind of start to look at somebody's mindset you can't nobody can have what they want in the future if they're so stuck in the this is you know I, this is horrendous listen to the words this is horrendous can't get out of bed I'm so depressed life is shit my awful. body is horrible I look awful this child I, you just can't get out of that so I would encourage anybody who's feeling like that to talk about it to look for an inspirational coach that will lead you in the dire- right directions of books but really I say even in my sessions you are not here to meet me you're here to meet yourself often people just need a sounding board they need somebody to listen to them ask them the questions that like what are you what's blocking you what's stopping you from thinking that way but it's the compassion it's it's like when someone says you look really beautiful today or you which doesn't yeah. matter I mean I know all of it's a bit like it's the, the aesthetics don't matter but it's it's also nice to be paid a compliment or you're doing really well and it's like I'm not I'm not or yeah. I don't I look terrible or I'm yeah. fat or oh I just and it's like we can't help it it's like this an awful negative narrative and we're just so used to spewing it out but actually like they're saying those millions of bad thoughts in a day are really detrimental like you could be doing the most incredible gym workouts yoga sessions eating the best of foods you know feeling like you're doing all the right stuff but if you are thinking negatively literally all day yeah that ain't good mm-hmm. like we've 85 stressor, I presume. Today, yeah you know and if 80,000 of yours are negative you're going to feel pretty crap and then you're probably going to behave in that way mm-hmm. emotional overeating you know Bad killing form. yourself at the gym yeah whatever that is or taking it out on other people mm-hmm. like diet culture as well has a massive you know uh, has had a massive impact on us all as in telling us what to eat what mm-hmm. is good what is bad what is healthy what is not healthy and it's meant that none of us we find it really difficult to listen to ourselves to make a decision yeah what do you really want mm-hmm. and if you have what you really want and you do what you really want you know you're going to stop when you've had mm-hmm. enough you know, and I'm talking about food yeah. in that way, but as well in movement, you know, I mean, be intuitive with the movement. If you're tired, listen, 
you know if you just want to do yoga you see here i'm saying just if you want to do yoga and you don't actually want to go to the gym yeah. do that listen yeah. just listen. stretch move yeah yeah how are you finding being a mom to three children under eight so I Your husband works honest. full time, does he? Yeah, he does. It is full on. I mean, I, I know when you said that, oh, yeah, and I know you've three children. Some people say four and five. This I just if everybody can hear like Instagram is not reality. I've been in people's houses with a lot of children and go, this is not what it really looks like. This is what it really looks like. Do you know, oh, my child it's was madness. naked in the hallway this morning. My five year old. Hopefully she'll never hear this because I wouldn't want to shame her. <laughs> Lying in the hallway, screaming because the dress wasn't clean for school. While a man came up to fit blinds, oh. a man in his 60s, who I didn't understand was coming at, at that time because Jason decided not to dump me that. At eight in the morning, rang the bell. Someone let him in. I think Jason let him in. I didn't let him in. And my child is butt naked, <laughs> screaming about this dress, this Encanto dress. She's never seen Encanto, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whilst the baby who gets really upset if she's upset is crying on top of her because she can't cope. Oh. So Simone is lying on her bum. <laughs> oh, no, you know, and I'm like, get up. Like, this is horrendous. This is, and then the dog is barking because someone's come in the door and he's got serious issues with anxiety. Obviously, we're all just <laughs> like feeding it. And this man was just shocked yeah and I just felt like out. going ah oh, suck it up brother <laughs> like he was so shocked he was like oh is everything I was like no this is just standard trying to just get out the door and I was like Gee, I and I was pulling her and trying to pull so he could walk past us yeah and I was like cover your oh and then I was like oh, it doesn't matter she's only a five-year-old but it was just the extremity yeah and then it's like I got into the car to leave and I was like oh now I'm breathing yet I'm sitting in traffic so it's kind of comical but it's yeah. not but I think it shows what reality is and that we all lose our temper we all give out you know it's we all have naked children yeah, we all have naked children <laughs> and six year old you know men coming well, in at eight in the morning yeah. no. but no um, it is full on it definitely is like I love it and I find that for us it's the it's it is the perfect number mm -hmm. but there are so many times that I also say oh my goodness it would have been easier with two okay. like and I do yeah. say that you know and my girls will go no 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 I really want three you know but it is it, it, it you know I always wanted that number around the table and I yeah. think it is a stage Finn is only two and well, four so months so, yeah and he is going through the course that, that two to three we've seen since Abby has hit five it's like you know, I love going to restaurants with the two it's girls chilled, now. Yeah. Not so much with Finn. No. But we'll get there. Everyone yeah. will get there. It's, it's all just temporary. to ride the waves. Yeah. Yeah. How are you in your life now? You're doing so many. Like I said, I met you a year ago, maybe when Simone was a few months old and I could barely get out for an hour because I had this huge anxiety about leaving her with my husband and the guilt and all of this. And we've spoken about that and what you do, the, the space that you create. And I really love the pressure. Like you can pay for a course or pay for a bit of it or come to a yoga and you're like come and do what you want to do mm -hmm. there's this not this awful feeling of like you've messed up or you've failed at that today Rebecca you've actually mm -hmm. said well done you did that mm -hmm. um tell me about all the things that you were doing whilst parenting but you are doing all of these great things you're no longer a yeah. teacher no I, I've, I've left teaching but I am giving school talks on disordered eating wow and that what I've incredible. just done one last week and it was amazing I mean they asked me after would I give a talk to the teachers so that they were singing off the same hymn sheet I'm hoping to do parent talks on disordered eating because I think 
you know, it will really help parents on how, what to say in the family home, what not to say, what can trigger someone, what can't, because we're all learning, you know, and not all of us have somebody who will have that tendency. And it is everywhere at the moment, you know, like there's there's what's the statistics? Well, it's one of the highest. It is the second highest mortality rate. And there's 10,000 a year that pass away from an eating disorder. And it is getting younger and younger. So we do need to talk about it and open up and share about it, you know. I'm very conscious of never speaking about my physical appearance in front of my daughters. Um, I have two girls, which is tricky, obviously. Um, because we know how important and, and how um, a woman, our currency is based on how we look as women. Yeah. We know that this is what we've been fed for mm-hmm. donkeys. And I'm very conscious that I might be feeling whatever I feel, which isn't great anyway, but I will never do it in a mirror in front of her. And like she'll always be like, you're looking great in that going out moment. I'll be yeah. like, thanks. So yeah. we don't do that. And I'm also conscious that when she's um, in snack mode and it's like tons of fruit or carrots in the evening, it's after. And I also try not to be too restrictive where I'm scared I'm like oh god she's in I'm I also have to re- I have a challenge mm-hmm. with that but mm-hmm. you're correct it's just being aware of it mm-hmm. because I think it. in the day people weren't aware mm-hmm. and they were like she's going to put on weight she's fat I mean I have so many awful stories from my youth of grown men saying you have a bit of a belly there or yeah. did you oh you've grown oh you've got boot just the her like the things that yeah. were said to us that you just couldn't say now. I think years ago, and it was very, even a grandparent saying, oh, look at that frock now, it's a bit tight in here. Or you've filled up, filled people, out. or People are more aware nowadays not to say, not, most people are not <laughs> to say those kind of things. But um, yeah, look, I always say in my talks, we were all born intuitive eaters. So as babies, we knew when we were hungry, we knew when we were full. What has happened along the way to stop that? Our environment, education, diet, culture, social media. We need to get back to that. You know, step out of your girl's way. Let them start to listen to their bodies. You know, we can provide the food Mm -hmm. and at the meals and the snacks, let them decide Mm -hmm. on when they've had enough and if they like it or if they don't. Mm -hmm. Because all we're doing is taking over their control of Mm -hmm. their own bodies. That's so interesting. Yeah. Like that whole thing of like, you'll have your... spinach in the morning if you don't have an how or until yes. you finish this meal and yeah. that's so dangerous yeah. I mean yeah. I don't do that but I would be yeah. very like do you yeah. think you've had enough <laughs> but I'd like to talk you know to arrange parent talks for that I'm teaching yoga in Bray and, and she and is I have gone to so much yoga in my 20s and 30s and um, when I was addicted to exercise and kind of punishing the body in my 20s I would do it alongside kickbox you know and when I was trying to get ready to get married and in my 30s and I would always do it, right? It was always part of, but it was part of a toning. It was an aesthetic thing, right? Oh my goodness, you have got to attend one of Cara's yoga classes. It's just, you actually leave yourself and the room mm-hmm. and you're so, you, you're not so worried about what she's wearing. Is she doing it better? Is her move stronger? Is she thinner? Is she, you don't even think about the room. Mm-hmm. It's so special. Her voice is mesmerizing uh-huh. you really feel like you've had a proper workout if you mm-hmm. want to mm-hmm. and then you also feel just so chill at the end that you mm-hmm. don't want to leave you are yeah. so good but she's also got some um, magic about making treats yes yeah, so my that retreats, everyone talks about <laughs> i do a monthly retreat from wicklow well it's generally wicklow and we do uh, a yoga class mm-hmm. we have a hike we have a full lunch and then i make a box of treats yeah. and then we do a sauna on a very cold sea swim the box of treats are 
Yeah, it's pretty good. Infamous yeah. and famous <laughs> and legendary. You are so special. I think yeah. you have, uh, you know, so many wonderful women that surround you that talk about you because they really want to lift you up because you are so special and you touch all of us in, in various ways. I was so excited to have you on. And thank, thank you. you for coming into Ascara. And keep an eye on, I'll make sure to tag Cara and all of those things, but you're just doing great work. Thank you so much. Oh. And you are so special. <laughs> thank, thank you, you so much. <laughs> thank, thank you, Cara. You. Thanks, Rebecca. I hope you enjoyed this episode of A Little Birdie Told Me. And if you did, it would be wonderful if you could subscribe to the podcast.